everybody. Welcome and thank you for listening to this episode of Marriage Therapy Radio. I'm Zach Brittle. I'm here with Laura Heck. And together today, we are here with Shane Burkle. Shane uh, is a therapist out of the Northeast. Um, he runs a podcast called The Couples Therapy Couch, where he gets to interview specialists from all over the field of couples therapy. I got to be on that podcast uh, maybe, gosh, I think it was two years ago. It was in the before times. It was before the COVID. But Shane is a specialist in what's called relational life therapy. You've heard Laura and I talk about Terry Real and his work, uh, which I happen to love. I love that model. I think it's uh, really interesting uh, and a neat sort of compare and contrast model to the Gottman method, um, which I use quite a bit. Today, we get to pick his brain, Shane's brain, and just learn a little bit about how he uses it, some different concepts and uh, different sort of case work. I think we could have talked for hours because we all just wanted to learn more about how to sit with clients. As always, it's a very cool conversation. Stick around. For our audience members, how would you describe yourself? Like orient yourself to our, our audience. Like what, who are you? Uh, what are you into? Why? What's your expertise? I'm Shane Burkle. I, uh, I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. I have a, pra- a, a pra- um, counseling practice in New Hampshire, about an hour from Boston, where I work mostly with couples. And um, I also have a podcast called The Couples Therapist Couch, which is mostly for couples therapists to learn how to do the practice of couples therapy. But I also make a lot of videos on TikTok and Instagram, which are, um, you know, just for people who want to learn about having a good relationship or a lot of it's just humorous. So that's been a lot of fun as well. Yeah. But um, yeah, I love working with relationships. I've been watching those videos. Uh those they're pretty funny my favorite one lately and you'll know what it is um i forget what the song is in the background but you sort of do this thing where it's like when's a good time to be harsh in a relationship and you're sort of waiting for the um the lyrics to kick in and they they never do it's like right right yeah oh nope it's now nope nope uh, nope so yeah um yeah right that that was good yeah because obviously there's never a good time for that so nothing ever comes up on the video have you ever had your partner, um, your intimate partner? I don't know if you have a business partner, but I refer to Zach as my partner. He is not my intimate partner. Mm-hmm. He's my business partner. But have you ever had your partner um, do any TikToks with you? I haven't seen anybody else in it. Oh, yeah. No, she, my wife uh, is not interested in participating. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, no, I think she yeah. feels a little shy about it. She yeah. doesn't want to be part of it yeah or maybe she just has good boundaries <laughs> maybe, maybe that's it maybe that's it yeah i mean my wife i'm like hey do you want to do it nope mm-hmm. I'm like well we're <laughs> right. gonna do that nope right <laughs> so yeah and i feel nope. i feel like it's a normal tiktok thing where people play multiple characters in their videos and it's kind of a it's kind of fun too when yeah. you do it that way I like it when you wear your Clark Kent glasses. I don't know if you've ever like been yeah. Superman, but I really dig those glasses on you. Just wanted to say. Oh, thanks. I really appreciate that. Thank yeah. you so much. You're yeah. welcome. Yeah. They're just like glass. There's no. Oh, they're just uh, for fun. They're just tickets. Wow. Yeah. Just the, for the costume. Yeah. Okay. Hold on. Fun story. When Zach and I were recording um, Marriage in Motion, Zach, didn't you have glasses that were just glass? Like they didn't actually have a prescription in them. 
That's true. Yeah, I was super insecure about my face, and I was like, maybe I can hide part of maybe it behind I can these put glasses. It behind some glasses. <laughs> did, did it work? Did it work yeah. for you? He looked great. He was uh, so yeah, handsome. I mean, it, it helped my insecurity. Yeah. Good. Good. Um, okay. Yeah, I think your face looks great so, today. I think so too. I was just telling Thanks. them. Thanks. Yeah. I'm not even. I'm not even hiding behind the glasses. Right there. You, there you go. Yeah. Look at these. Look at these. This is we, Shane. We're teaching this weekend and I've been working on um, this slideshow, but I, so I've been like late nights. So I get these. These are bags that my whole family has. They're like uh, related to my weirded out jeans. when you start pulling on yeah. the under eye bags. That looks weird <laughs> yeah. to me. I don't think you I should watch do that. Pull it all the way out. Like, <laughs> it's like a little umbrella for my nose. Yeah. I don't know about you guys. I feel like they get worse with age, too. Yeah. Yeah, they yeah, do. a little bit. Definitely. <laughs> Okay, so here's the thing. We, um, I have a bit of a, just like a professional crush on like the work that you're doing because I didn't actually know what your expertise or what you're, because I knew that you were, you had, I think like we might've met because you came to one of the trainings, right? One of the seven principles trainings. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. That was probably over five years ago. Yeah. I went to um, a training that you were leading yeah. about doing the seven principles and you were an amazing teacher. Thank you. Got a ton out of that. Yeah. But, um, but my training since then has primarily been with relational life therapy, which is a couples therapy model developed by Terry Real. And um, so that's a really significant what, you know, way that I work with mm-hmm. couples. And that's, that's like, we the, talk about Terry a lot. Like I, I will often cite, yeah, I often say Terry is my second favorite therapist. And I don't know if that's actually the right word, but I love complimenting relational life therapy with the Gottman method, but we always talk about it in this kind of umbrella way. So I'm interested to hear a little bit more of a deep dive because I think it would be helpful for folks to understand that a, that there are alternative approaches out there and b like mm-hmm. how, how you how this one works, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. There's, I I guess I'm kind of wondering when couples come to me and and they're just sort of in the first session, they're saying, Laura, here's what we want to work on. Like, here's some things that we're struggling on in the relationship. And they're saying things like, "Ah, I just feel like our, you know, communication has just really fallen off. We we're not really talking about anything of any sort of substance or depth. And then when we do, it sort of spirals out of control. I can pretty easily say, I think Gottman method is going to be phenomenal for you. There's a lot of communication um, in that. When I have couples that come to me and they say, Hey, um, we are so fiery. We are just like our communication blows up so quick. We're both incredibly reactive. My brain goes to RLT. It just, it's like, this feels like a better model that's going to align with your goals much better or faster. And I'm kind of wondering, like from your standpoint, having much more of a background in RLT, what is like the ideal client complaint that you're like, yes, I know just the thing for you. Well, I think there's a very, um, part of the training uh, entails understanding patriarchy. And so there, I think RLT works really well when you have a heterosexual couple where uh, there's a male partner and a female partner. And um, the male partner is very lacking in communication skills and the, the ability to be intimate and the ability to connect with his own emotions, which is something that's true for most males in our society because of the way that we're socialized, not because guys have bad intentions, but just because, um, you know, we, we're socialized in this way and it's, it's really detrimental. 
to both men and women. And so the, this model tends to work really well for a couple like that because, um, you know, one of the things that Terry Real talks about is that traditional couples therapy often takes a stance of not taking sides. Mm-hmm. And so what will happen is that, you know, a good therapist in individual therapy will make their client feel seen and heard and understood. And we do that in couples therapy too. Mm-hmm. But oftentimes couples don't feel like they make any progress because the therapist is sort of staying neutral and, you know, making both people feel seen and heard and understood, but they're not right. actually um, helping push them forward. Mm-hmm. And so oftentimes part of the initial diagnostic phase of figuring out what's going on with this couple and trying to determine what their patterns are is to figure out like, what are the ways that each person is bringing themselves into their relationship in a way that's not working mm-hmm. uh, either for, for the other person, particularly mm-hmm. and probably for them too. And um, there's usually one, you know, there's usually a place that we need to start or a person we need to start with mm-hmm. in order to move the work forward in a meaningful way. Mm-hmm. And so part of the challenge as a therapist is how do you bring this to the forefront? How do you bring this to their attention without making them feel shamed and judged right. and like, you know, you're the problem because mm-hmm. uh, that's, pro- that might be something that's coming into the dynamic already too. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I think that, uh, well, I, I could just keep talking, but, um, <laughs> I think it's a really good model for, uh, being able to bring a level of compassion and understanding to these individual human beings who are struggling, mm-hmm. but not holding back on giving them the important information of what we see as a therapist and saying like, look, you know, you're really shooting your own foot off when you're mm-hmm. doing this, this and this, because then people mm-hmm. can actually see it and make progress with it. Yeah. I, it's funny because when, when I first meet with a couple, um, most people have already done their homework and they know like my style of therapy and they're attracted to how I've advertised myself in basically saying, I will be pointing out some flaws in the system. I will be pointing out where, you know, you are, you have behaviors that are destructive to your goal as a couple. And they come to me specifically for that. But I'll often have a couple that I will say like, what did you like about your past therapist? What didn't you like? What, you know, what kind of feedback is, feels best to you? And some people say, give it to me straight. Like you can be harsh. I just need it to be direct. And then the other person will say, I need you to hold my hand and cover me in an Afghan and hand me a tissue and tell me this is what's not working and be really gentle. And I do think it is such a weird balance to try and give that feedback in, like you said, in a way that's non-shaming that allows them to own their shit. If you know what I mean. Yeah, definitely. And that's such a good way to put it. We have to be sensitive to who we're working with uh, because if we interact with them in a way that doesn't work for them, they might not come back again. Mm -hmm. So we have to be very considerate of the other, the client's experience as we work with them. But also how do we do that and give them some meaningful feedback about what's going on for them and their dynamic? Is this a, attached to this idea of leverage that you're talking about. Um, when you talk about needing to find like the one to work with, that's, I know that leverage is part of the, um, the RLT model, but I'd be interested to hear you talk a little bit about how that works in your practice. Yeah, definitely. I think it's related. Let me give an example of what leverage could look like in a couple. Uh, let's say that 
there's a husband and a wife and they're coming into therapy and the wife is telling me, look, I've been trying to fix this relationship for years. I'm so tired of these behaviors that he keeps doing that just aren't working for me. And if this doesn't change, I'm going to be going to a divorce lawyer. And then I talked to the husband and he says, you know, I'm super committed to this relationship. I want it to work. I don't understand why she doesn't get it. Like she's really annoying. She, she just keeps complaining about, you know, all of these things. I don't know why she just can't be happy. My big, my biggest problem is just that she's not happy with me and my, in the relationship. Mm -hmm. So I'm looking at this situation. This isn't like a balanced situation. I, I know that I have all kinds of leverage with this guy because he's, he's not going anywhere. He's committed to the relationship. Whereas mm -hmm. if I take her on and her issues on and, and, and make it about her, she's gone. She just told me that she's tired of it. She's sick of it. She has one foot out the door. And so that, so if I'm working with this couple, I am absolutely going to go after the husband. Meaning, when I say go after, meaning I'm going to say, look, we need to listen very carefully to what your wife is saying and the things that she's bringing up. Because if you don't start learning how to be receptive and take in what she's talking about, mm -hmm. she won't come she's back gone. for another session. Mm -hmm. And so... Mm -hmm. That, that's the way that I would look at the leverage. So then I, I have the ability to meet her request, which is fix my husband. Mm -hmm. And I have the ability to, to have some really difficult conversations with him and teach him some skills and help him figure out how to be a better listener and take in what's going on for her without fear. Because, because I know that he's going, you know, he might not like it very much. He might complain to me, but I can just remind him, look, you told me that your goal is to make your wife happy. And this mm -hmm. is connected to what you want. Believe, mm -hmm. trust me, follow through on the process. This is this is what is going to get you to the point where you get what you want. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm sensitive to the fact that we probably all, um, I'm guessing almost all of our listeners are not therapists and their clients. And I'm, you had mentioned something earlier where I was like, Ooh, I wonder if they're curious about this. And I had kind of sent you an email and said, I'm really interested in knowing sort of like what Terry real describes as the, these losing strategies. Um, and the Gottman Institute mm -hmm. would probably say like they're the four horsemen. They're these behaviors that are showing up that are not helpful and that we're probably needing to point out as therapists of like, I see this, I see this, I see this. We need to be doing the inverse of that. So can you, um, I mean, if you're comfortable talking about like these losing strategies, just so that our, our listeners are able to go, Hmm, that sounds familiar. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah. And Terry real defines five specific losing strategies, which are ways that people interact in their relationships that, um, we know, you know, maybe he probably gets it from John Gottman's research. <laughs> that we know that these things just aren't going to work, right? Mm -hmm. um, when people are communicating in this way, uh, it just it's just really unhelpful. And so, um, one example would be, uh, and I and I don't even <laughs> I can't even think of what the five losing strategies are, but it's not important because it's like part of my it's just part of how I see the world at this point. Everything I see is through this lens of what works for human beings. Mm -hmm. So um, one example would be 
um, speaking from objective reality, mm. um, which means that, uh, oh, I know what the losing strategy is. It's called being right. <laughs> but the idea is speaking through objective yeah. reality. So um, it would be like you have a couple sitting in the room and one partner A starts talking and they say, the other day, you know, my partner was being really mean to me and um, they, they were yelling at me and uh, I just felt really hurt about that. Mm-hmm. Now, um, those statements are an assumption that the, the the objective reality that they're stating is that their partner was being mean. Right. Or, or yelling at them. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's a, or that they agree about the, what the definition of the word yelling is. Right. Yeah, exactly. Oh yeah. That's their, that's their perspective. And they're, they're bringing it into the conversation as an objective truth. Well, mm-hmm. right. Uh, Zach, well, their partner's probably sitting there thinking that they have a completely different perspective about what happened in the situation. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times couples will get caught up in arguments when they're trying to convince each other of the objective reality of what happened. So the other partner could say, no, 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 I wasn't yelling. I was speaking firmly. And then mm-hmm. the other person's like, no, you were yelling. No, I was. It's like, it doesn't matter being right about that or the objective reality about that isn't important to the relationship. Mm-hmm. And so it's part of part of what we can teach couples about speaking from the first person, speaking from this is my perspective. This is my experience. This is mm-hmm. how I felt. The story I, I told myself. Situation. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I love it. I love this part about the bad strategy piece in this way, because if it's like, you know, we, we might point them out to people and say, Hey, you know, you should do this instead of that. And they're going, but why should I be the one to do it? And how do I have, why am I have to be? Well, because it's not working. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what exactly. You're, that's what you're good. doing isn't working. <laughs> so, that That's such a great point that's why. too. I think that's um, something that therapists sometimes fail to do. Um, Zach, which is like anytime, like when we're in couples therapy, oftentimes if we're dealing with one person's complaint, the other person might start to feel like, well, why are you, why are you dealing with their complaint? Why aren't you listening to what I have to say? Right. And so, or why do you feel Why are you telling me I have to change? Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I just need my partner to do it differently. Then I'd be fine. (laughs) And you know what you're saying, Zach, which is so important, which is like, we need to connect what we're doing back to what they asked for in the first place mm-hmm. and say, here's mm-hmm. the reason why this is in your best interest, mm-hmm. because I can tell you that you're going to get so much more of what you were asking for in the long run. If you can do the things that I'm trying to help you with. And why should I do this? Well, you just told me you want X mm-hmm. and you're doing Y, which isn't going to get you X. So why don't you try Z? Yeah. <laughs> you right. Know, like, just why having a therapist is really helpful is that we will do, I mean, I think that couples and individuals do what they do as best as they can, given the tools and resources that they have. I really do. And when you bring in a third party, it helps somebody to come in and say, you know, actually this thing that you're doing, like it's not helpful. What you're doing is, is like, this is not actually getting you closer to your goal. Stop that. Do this instead, which is why I really mm-hmm. love the five losing strategies and then like the five winning strategies is being able to identify, Hey, this is something that now I'm aware of it. Now I know that this is present. What do I do instead? Um, let me come back. So you said the first one is being right. 
Um, in the chat mm -hmm. section, I actually included the five losing strategies so that all of us can look at them. But tell me about controlling your partner. Because when I hear that, it makes me think of like abusive relationships. And I don't think that that is really what Terry's getting at in, in particular. I think that it, it can actually be much more subtle that we don't realize that we're doing um, in relationships that can be a losing strategy of controlling your partner. Can you, can you describe Good. that? That's a great question. Um, and I think that there are two types of control, overt control and covert control. Mm -hmm. And like you were saying, most of us agree, like when we see overt control, it would look like an abusive relationship. And most yeah. of us are like, of course, that's not okay. Um, but I think, yeah, I think you're right. The the one that we see that plays out in couples therapy or, or that plays out maybe for all of us on mm -hmm. some level that we have to be aware of is more of the covert control. Yeah. Which is like, let's say that I was hoping to, you know, watch a movie with my wife tonight and I was excited about that. And then she tells me, oh, hey, you know, I'm going to go out with some girlfriends and hang out. So I'm not going to be hanging. I'm not going to be spending time with you tonight. And so the uh, covert controlling behavior on my part might look like sort of whining about it, sort of like, um, or guilt. you know, putting up, a, putting out a stink about it. Mm -hmm. it's, it's indirect. It's mm -hmm. not like, like, like there's a place for me to express my experience. Say, Oh, I feel really sad that we're not going to be able to hang out. Mm -hmm. That would be a direct communication. That's not an attempt to be controlling if I'm doing it in a thoughtful way. Mm -hmm. It's not an attempt to change her behavior necessarily. Mm. But if I'm just sort of stomping around the house being grumpy and feeling sorry for myself, uh, you know, this is something that becomes pervasive in some relationships where it's almost like there's going to be an emotional consequence. Right. If you right. if you're doing things in a way that your partner doesn't like. Yeah. And um, that's the type of control that I think is often goes unnoticed or couples are. Are, aren't even sort of aware that it's happening. Yeah, they've gone into such a pattern where I, I see that so much. And I saw you shaking your head too, Zach, of the consequence, the emotional consequence. And I will say that most of the time, um, it is the female that is, uh, that is covertly controlling the situation in ways where if she doesn't get her way, uh, there's going to be some kind of an emotional consequence. And so the male in heterosexual relationships has just sort of um, given up a voice and just said, it's much easier for me not to have an opinion, not to weigh in, not to argue so that we don't get into it because I know that this mm -hmm. is going to, this is going to ruin the rest of the night if I have an opinion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Good. Yeah, totally. I think too, there's something really intriguing about the, like there are definitely always outcomes but those don't have to always be consequences, right? I think the, the nuance there is like just kind of weird, but um, you know, John Gottman will say, uh, you know, the best sexual relationships, for example, are ones where there's no consequence for rejection. It doesn't mean that there's no rejection. It just means that when there is rejection, it doesn't come with shame or embarrassment or, you know, punitive measure, or I'm going to not ever ask you again. Um, but that there's actually some escalation of the ask, which might be a pivot toward, okay, well, can we go for a walk or could we play a board game or, um, or maybe the person who isn't interested in sex tonight says you're maybe your wife, right? Your wife who's not interested in the movie tonight says, oh gosh, I'm going out with my girlfriends, but I would love to watch a movie tomorrow night. 
let's mm-hmm. definitely do, you know, like there's sort of this sort of the escalation of the connection versus um, just the transaction. Right. Mm-hmm. I think that's where consequences kind of come into play. So I like the, I like that you've brought that word back into my consciousness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, yeah, what you're getting into would be sort of like the winning strategies, right? Like teaching people, like, first of all, helping them have some awareness of what's not working, but then teaching them like healthy communication skills, healthy relationship skills, so that it, it becomes a feeling of, it's sort of like, it's it feels like a non-sum game. Is that the right term? Where it's like some, someone sum, yeah. wins and someone loses. Like the more I get what I want, the less you get of what you want. But we want to turn that into more of a winning strategy, which is more like the more I can give you what you want in the relationship, the more you're going to feel happy and healthy and want, want to give me the things that I want in the relationship. And it's like uh, a relational ecosystem. We both have to breathe the air. So we don't want to create a toxic environment for us, you know. What was the phrase, Zach? Yeah, it's funny. How can I give uh, you? How do I give you what you need in order for me to get what I want? Yeah. But I was think- I've been thinking about this a lot. I've been thinking about this a lot lately because I, um, when we start to talk about negotiating or compromise, most of us are conditioned to do it the way that we do it in uh, like a car dealership. I go in and I want as much car as possible. And I want to pay as little as possible mm-hmm. for this car. Um, and that's just the way that we, and, and, and I, I've started to see this. I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before, Laura, I don't quite remember, but I've, I've started to see this maybe just cause it's also a car thing. It's like when you buy a red CRV, every time you drive out now you see a red CRV, which you never saw before. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking yep. about? Like when you buy that, that car, um, it's sort of like when I finally saw this, I couldn't stop seeing it, but you know, my question now to couples often is like, Hey, if you treat your, any of your negotiation, like a car dealership, that's a pretty shitty way to be in, in, in transaction with someone that you love. But what is it, what would it mean to be like, Hey, how can I give you as much as possible right? Cause I, to get the thing that I want? Like, I love you so much. I want to give you whatever you need mm-hmm. to make it easy for you to part with this thing that I want, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that's an, that's a, Radical, uh, strategy? Yeah, it's like radical generosity or like, um, who did we interview? Was it the 80-20 couple where they were talking about just give, 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 give is kind of behind the yeah. the theory there. Nate and Kaylee Klemp. Yep, Klemp? that was it. Yeah. Okay, let's do... Let's yeah, do and I you think, should talk to them, Shane, if you haven't talked to them. Yeah. I think this is um, sort of uh, something that's really important about relational life therapy as well, which is like the... Um, you know, what some therapists call differentiation, Mm -hmm. which is the um, sort of getting away from a feeling of codependence in a relationship. Like I have to do things in order for my partner to be okay, or I deserve things simply because I'm in a relationship. I'm entitled to certain things because Mm -hmm. that's what a relationship is supposed to be, which um, I think that one of the things that we talk about all the time is, uh, I, each of you is responsible for yourself mm-hmm. in the relationship. Mm-hmm. If we think about it on a very simplistic level, uh, each of us are individual human beings who are making a choice to be in a relationship with this other person. Now, it's very important that each of you know that you would still be a good person. You would, you could still be happy and healthy in your life. You could still be successful if you decide to get a divorce and move on, that's a legitimate choice. 
I think people should know that so that they feel empowered, so that they feel like um, my relationship is a choice, an empowered choice that I'm making for myself because there's enough good stuff going on here that I'm willing to actually grieve some of the stuff that I'm not getting. Mm. And so that if I'm entering into a conversation and I say, hey, can I, ha- can I have a hug? And my partner says, no, I don't want, I don't feel like giving you a hug right now. That um, I have to be able to take a deep breath. That doesn't entitle me to be, uh, you, you know, my goal at, to, is to have compassion for myself about the emotions that are coming up for me. And to have compassion for my partner and their reality about what's going on for them. And so if something's not working for me, we can't enter into the conversation like you have to do this uh, for me in the relationship. It has to be more like, I would really appreciate that if you would do this, or this would work a lot better for me, or what can I do that would work better for you? Mm -hmm. So that, again, it's getting away from that objective reality and moving us into a place where we take responsibility and accountability for our behaviors that we bring into the uh, situation. This is another thing I talk about a lot. We have to separate behaviors from emotions. Like Mm. just because you get angry and upset doesn't entitle you to act a certain way Mm -hmm. in the relationship. So we have complete understanding and acceptance and compassion for the emotions that are coming up into the situation. But we have to be very, very accountable for the behaviors. And we have to start getting really good at understanding which behaviors are working for my partner and which ones are not, which ones feel hurtful to them. Mm-hmm. And I, I need to make sure that I'm not violating their boundaries, uh, which may be very different from mine. We have to get to know. So we have to get to know what those are for each other, but there's never a time when blame or judgment or criticism is going to be helpful. It's, it's about expressing what works for me and um, trying to give you feedback about what uh, or what I can do for you as well. Mm-hmm. While you were talking about that, the thing that is interesting that I see quite often is communication between partners. And I get the question a lot is, uh, let's just say the female is a crier and the gentleman in this particular relationship gets angry and raises his voice and the communication to back and forth is I can't hear you when you're crying. That does something to me. I have a hard time staying in relationship or in communication with you when you are just demonstrating these emotions and the behaviors that go along with it. And she says, I have a really hard time when you raise your voice. And what I get is each person saying, I should be able to cry. I should be able to get angry and upset and raise my voice. And I'm kind of wondering what you were talking about is, is that a negotiation between the two where they're like, hey, I'm going to try not to cry. I'm going to try to, you know, take a deep breath or whatever it might be, because I know that you have a hard time hearing me or being present when I cry. I'm just wondering, how would you handle that? That's such a good question. I love it. I love it. Yeah. So... Here's here's what here's what here's what I would do. The good questions, yeah, yeah. You guys are great interviewers. Um, So this is what this is such a common theme in couples therapy, where each person will be complaining about what the other person is doing. Right. And and this is part of why I think relational life therapy works so well, and the idea of differentiation works Mm -hmm. so well. It depends who's talking to me. Uh, to answer your question. Okay. So if I'm talking to the husband in that example, Mm -hmm. and he tells me, you know, anytime I try to express myself, my wife just starts crying. 
And um, I need her to stop crying so that I can express myself. Mm -hmm. Um, I would look at him and say, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. It must be really hard for you. (laughs) You know, when you're trying to express yourself and you feel like you're not being heard. Yeah. What's it like for you to be with a partner who's not going to be able to listen in the way that works for you? So I'm dropping it back on his mm-hmm, lap. Don't, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not here to change your partner. Mm-hmm. I'm going to move you into acceptance of your partner and compassion for your partner's limitations. Mm-hmm. And so he's, so, uh, or, or I might say something like, where did you learn that you could talk in such a loud voice and somebody wouldn't have emotions about that? <laughs> is that the way that is that the way that people talk to each other in your family growing up? Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm not blaming him. I'm not judging him. Mm-hmm. I'm not criticizing him. But I, but I'm being curious. I'm like, um, you know, it's apparently not working for your wife. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's be curious about why you think this is an appropriate way of communicating mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, and, and then, and then I, and then, you know, that's a really good pathway back because, because then what I'm going to want to do is work with him and say, um, you know, I'm curious, tell me, um, how you didn't feel like you were able to express yourself in your family growing up. Sure. Tell me how you felt unheard in mm-hmm. your family growing up. And that you had to raise and, your and, voice. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then all of a sudden we're doing some deep, you know, maybe trauma work for him or helping him get, at least helping him gain an insight about what's coming up for him. Um, when that he thought that this, that I was going to, you know, change his partner for him or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's a, that's one of the big differences that I, that I wrestle with, not wrestle with, but attention that I try to hold as I, as I want to pull the best out of both models, the, the Gottman method. And then, RLT because the Gottman method really, really is almost exclusively about having the couple work it out between themselves, like really having them equipping them to learn how to talk to each other, almost to put the therapist out of work, mm-hmm. right? Like the therapist needs to almost like not be there. The, the, this relational life model definitely invites the therapist to kind of lean into one partner and some of like, almost like the, um, I know there's this whole like wounded child adapted child piece of that model that is like almost like really, really partner with the wounded or the child part of the the partner while the other one sort of observes for a minute or just kind of hangs out and waits. And so there is a tension that I think that there's value in sort of both pieces, but how do you help, I guess the, um, the passive partner still feel involved in couples therapy? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. As a, yeah, as a no, it's a good like, question. When you do lean into him. Yeah, because if I yeah, if I'm having that conversation with the husband, what I might do is look over at the like what's happening for the wife is she's probably cheering on the inside and is like, oh, my gosh, thank goodness. Somebody's finally Mm -hmm. helping him understand, you know, what's going on in this situation. But but I'll look at her and I'll say, um, you know, is this is it okay for you if I take a few minutes with Mm -hmm. him? Does this feel like Mm -hmm. it's a helpful way to go do you mind just being a compassionate witness Mm -hmm. as i work with him for a minute something like that just to you're right because it's good to just keep him in the in the conversation i always want to add to her and if i get it right you can do this at home (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. like if i if i if i if if what you see 
looks like it's effective. This is how you can behave. So it's all, uh, just because I, I don't, I guess I just have a bias for uh, maybe like crystal clear agenda items for each, each partner, mm -hmm. maybe. Well, I think that's good. Like we're modeling the communication skills we're teaching. Ideally. I obviously wouldn't want my clients to analyze each other. Like there's, there are things we can do as a therapist that won't feel good for the the people if their partner's doing it to them. Mm -hmm. Like if I say, sure. oh, this is interesting, you know, based on growing up in a family where everyone was screaming at each other, you have a fear of conflict level. Like if their partner said that to them, they're, they're probably going to be a lot more defensive about it. Right. Um, but the healthy communication skills, for sure, I can, we, we can model that, you know, holding, holding people right with compassion. Um, you know, and I definitely think speaking truth while at the same time holding someone in warm regard, I think is a really important skill that most people have a hard time with mm. being respectful while I'm having a voice mm -hmm. um that's something that we can do as therapists that is really important for partners to see because they're going to need to do that with each other yeah I, I i don't know if this goes along with it being respectful while also having a voice is applauding the no and uh that was something that just so shane you probably didn't know this part so i'm um uh, in the process to become an asex certified sex therapist so i'm mm -hmm. in school working with supervisors and one of the big pieces that we work through is helping couples to gain a voice when it comes to no um no that touch doesn't feel good to me no i don't feel like having sex right now no, I don't want to do that position, whatever it might be. And I feel like giving, modeling and recognizing and honoring the no with warm regard, like welcoming the voice and with respect is so important in session and helping. I love this work with Terry Real where he talks about it being, I, I think it's like there's a, there's a request and with a request comes a no and you have to be ready for that no. And, you know, say, well, that's a stinker on mm. oh, nuts. That's a no bummer. And then move on, deal with your own frustration or disappointment and then move on because your partner said no. And, um, and I really love helping couples get to the place of being okay with no. Yeah, that's great. I don't know if that if that pertains to anything we we're just talking about, but that's where my brain went. No, absolutely, because it's all part of the grieving process of accepting what you're not getting in your relationship. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if I ask for a hug and my partner says no, mm -hmm. um, you know, it's going to be it's going to make her want to give me more hugs if I accept that. And I say, of, co of course, that's fine. You know, it's. Mm -hmm not a good time for you. That's totally fine. Um, you know, whereas it'll start feeling like a controlling situation. If I, if I'm really, uh, whiny about it or upset about right. it or not expressing my emotions in a healthy way. Mm -hmm. Um, and then she'll start feeling like she has to give me a hug in order for me to feel okay. And then it'll start feeling really codependent. Mm -hmm. And then she'll feel like this feels kind of icky. I yeah. don't like this very much. Mm -hmm. And then she'll lose sight of like, do I even like hugs anymore? And it's like, it's really confusing. And, and um, so it, it goes back to that whole idea of, is, is there enough in this relationship? Am I getting enough that I feel good about accepting what I'm not getting? Mm -hmm. I think that's really important. And I think it's a really important part of being a human being that uh, your partner is not there to save you, right? Your partner is not there to heal all of your childhood wounds that you always thought, you know, 
you would never have you, you once you get married you know once you get in a relationship that you'll have this experience where all of a sudden you everything is taken care of that you always thought you 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 wanted in your life and you'd have this feeling of love and everything it's just it's just not reality i think it's sold to us by the media uh i think it you know and and real love is the realization that um i can have connection with a partner but i can i also have to be really accepting of what i what i'm not getting and um deal with the imperfections of my partner with compassion I was just exploring that with, uh, with someone yesterday who's, you know, kind of sitting at the fork in the road wondering, where do I go? What do I do? And explained exactly what you said of, and I love, I love that you use the word acceptance so much because to me, it puts it back on the individual that it's your work to be done. Can I accept the things that I'm not getting in this relationship? Do they out, do the things that I am getting in this relationship outweigh the things that I'm not getting? And can I come to a place of acceptance, uh, that this is the partner that, you know, can I accept that my husband is not Mr. Fix it? Sure can. Cause he can pay for Mr. Fix it mm. to come and help things out in the relationship. Like it. Yeah, it's great. What were you going to say, Zach? I don't know. I think I was going to say something about, uh, this idea of like the verb accept it really is a choice. Like, mm-hmm. what is it? It's the serenity prayer, right? Like mm-hmm. help me accept the things like yeah, I don't know, whatever it is, but, um, but there is a, there's a, there's a choice that you get to make about acceptance. It's not just a thing that, you know, happens to you or not. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And I think that anytime that I want something in my relationship that I'm not getting, um, I think that, that there's two parts to it. One is the acceptance and the other is change. Uh, I can always oh, work that's it. That's it. Help me accept the things I cannot things change. I change. The courage change to change the things, things I can and the can. wisdom to know the difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, good. Um, yeah, so it's like um, I, I want people to have a voice. I want people to work toward change. I, you know, if it's something that's really important to you, it's not just sort of being a doormat and accepting everything that, you know, your partner wants and not having a voice. It's not that. It's both. It's it's working toward change, but doing that with respect and compassion and love. But don't give up if it's important mm-hmm. to you. Don't make sure you have a voice, but also the acceptance of, you know, if it's really that bad, then you can leave the relationship. Right. But if it's still worth working on, then, um, you know, feel that empowerment of what is going well in this, this situation. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about how it's perfect that your podcast is called the couples therapist couch. Isn't that what it's called? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like I yeah. feel like we just want to sit on the couch and keep talking about this stuff forever. I'm like, Oh yeah. And what about this? And do you ever do that? And it, that's probably a real treat for you a week over week. To be able to do that. But, um, <laughs> real treat. I mean, yeah, no, seriously awesome. though, you're getting, you're just getting smart all the time. You're just getting smarter all the time because um, <laughs> exactly. we're all just trying to solve. We're all yeah. just trying to figure out how to make this thing work. Um, oh, I thought you were talking about and, me in particular is getting smarter all the uh-huh. time. You, aren't you? I mean, yeah, when you I get really to talk to all these people that. who have different perspectives, yeah. of course you are, Yeah, you know? Um, and then maybe we can, maybe, maybe we learn how to pass that on to our clients, which I think is um, ultimately the benefit of having conversations like this. Yeah. Don't you guys feel like doing this work, part of it becomes very personal. Uh, it, it's, it's sort of like, uh, helps us in our own personal lives and is like a framework for how to be human and how to be in a relationship. And we're struggling with all the same things that 
our clients are struggling with. But the more we work with people, the more positive impact it can have on our own personal lives as well. Have you mastered what it I've yet, What I've become Zach? really aware of lately is... <laughs> No, what I've become really aware of is just how grateful I am that I have this job because if I was a, you know, a contractor or an engineer or a chef or something, I would be, I would still be really bad at relationship, but I wouldn't have any time to like focus on learning how to do it better, mm -hmm. you know? So uh -huh. the fact that I get to sit in this room for 20, 25 hours a week and, uh, you know, work some of this stuff out. Last night I was, it doesn't matter. Last night I, I, I literally made a conscious choice to stop being an expert as a couples therapist and go actually be a better husband. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. I got mad. I got, I got, I got harsh at my wife while working on a presentation <laughs> for a couple <laughs> for the Gottman Institute, <laughs> you know? Right. And I just sat there for like, I don't know, five, six, seven, eight, eight minutes. And I was like, what the, who am I? Like, mm -hmm. and I just got up and I went in and I said, it's not you, it's me. I'm da -da -da, mm -hmm. blah, 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 blah. So, but shoot, if I was, not in this work, I would be really bad at all of it. Well, so. and we, you, we all get to be bad. Like, even though we're talking about like these losing strategies, every single relationship is going to have some of these losing strategies be a part of their relationship from now until the end of time. It's just going to happen. And it's just the ability, like Terry Real talks about the ability to go from disconnection to connection. And it's just this constant ebb and flow when you get it wrong. Don, John Gottman talks about repair, same thing um, of coming back together when you get it wrong. And when, and so you did it wrong. Right, Zach. I mean, you recognized in the moment that you were whew, that you were being a jerk, and that you owned your stuff, and you went and you you like chose the higher road in that moment, back to connection. And some, uh, yeah, I got a lot to say about that. I do have a question for Shane, though, as we as we wrap up, because we, I mean, though we want to keep going, we cannot. Um, do you have any projects that you're working on that you're pretty stoked about? I mean, I know about your podcast. Um, but is there anything that's like up and coming that you're getting really excited about or anything, um, that you're doing professionally or even personally that you're excited about? Um, thank you for the question. I, um, I actually keep thinking about, you know, I have a lot of people who follow me on TikTok and Instagram mm -hmm. and, um, I keep thinking about being more organized about how I'm putting that content out and trying to, um, you know, maybe make more YouTube videos, which can be longer, you know, which would be more like uh, going into some of the content we're talking about, yeah. helping people with their relationships. Yeah. I've thought about creating like a membership site for couples, mm -hmm. something where people could just show up like on a weekly basis, maybe on a live webinar or something and ask questions that they have. So it'd be a little bit different than therapy. Mm -hmm. but it would give people an opportunity to um, work through some of the stuff that they're going through and stuff like that. But I haven't figured it out for sure what I'm, what I'm going to do, because I do think it'd be nice to have something apart from, obviously I do a lot of therapy, but it'd be nice to have something to offer more people because there's only so many people we can work with in, uh, in the, the therapy section. You know, it'd be really but, interesting. Um, is it like a panel? Yeah. I was just thinking if you had couples that were like giving you like a dear Shane questions and then you had a panel because I know you have therapists from all different sort of walks of life where you have a Gottman therapist, an RLT therapist, you could have an emotion focused therapist and you do a panel and like how and each person kind of funnels a question or takes a question. They're getting support, but it's just interesting to hear how different 
modalities would respond to those questions be kind of intriguing for the for the therapist point of view anyhow yeah that'd be really cool absolutely i'll volunteer yeah. i think tribute. that's a great idea tribute okay good you will cover uh i got gotman part of it yeah, good yeah good yeah <laughs> what about personally yeah i'm also do i'm also doing like an intensive um training with terry real he's selected uh a few of the certified people to like start becoming trainers and stuff like that. Um, not well, exactly sure what that's going to look like, but um, so that's, that's something that I'm working on personally. I've been, um, I've been really, really uh, refining my youth sports coaching skills. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm getting a lot better at uh, that which is the, you know, challenge. I, but I feel like, uh, to, to be honest, I'm just, um, you know, trying to be present with my family, with my kids. I think this is, such, my kids are um, nine and 11, and we, ha we have an 18-year-old that moved in with us a, a few years ago too. But mm -hmm. um, it's just such an, uh, an important time for me personally, just to be present with them and to enjoy the stuff that's going on with them and their milestones and things like that. Um, so yeah, that's that's been really good. I have found that just sitting on the sidelines, um, watching the coaches coach my six-year-old son uh, is best done with a beer. That's just all I've discovered. <laughs> <laughs> that's just, that should be like a, that should be like a bumper sticker uh -huh. or something, I feel like. Yeah, I'm the armchair. <laughs> I'm sure the parks department really appreciates your strategy. Too. <laughs> yeah, the parks department. Yeah. I have a cozy. No one knows. Leslie Nope's going to come running out being like, what are you doing? It's just my tea in my thermos. It's just tea. All right. Hey, yeah. what do you say we land this plane? And, uh, and I mean, Shane, you're, you're going to be on call. We're just going to text you all the questions now uh, that we have, or at least I'm going to, what would you do? Where, which of the clients do I work with first? All good stuff. Yeah, I feel the same. I know. I love being connected to you guys. I hope we can continue to talk about these things. I've learned so much from both of you as well. So this is great. It's always great to connect with you both. Oh, Thank you so much for having me group on. hug. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah totally. Good to, good to be with you. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Marriage Therapy Radio. Huge shout out and thank you to our guest, Shane Burkle. I know that Zach and I both have um, some professional crushes on him and the work that he is doing with relational life therapy. That's RLT. If you're interested, you can find more about Shane by going to his podcast. It's the therapy Let's see here. It's the Couples Therapy Couch. Especially if you're a professional, you will get a lot out of listening to that uh, podcast. If you want to follow him on TikTok or Instagram, whatever the, the kids are following these days, you can find him at, at Shane Burkle. It's B-I-R-K-E-L. Uh, thank you for all of your time and attention, making your relationship better today than it was yesterday. the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. 
With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games.